Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor, and joining me is my co-host, Chris Johnson. And Chris, here we are. We are wrapping up our seventh church in this study. Great to be with you today, Lynn. It should be a fun uh, podcast. <laughs> it should be. And one thing that's going to make this fun is Ken Braddy is at the microphone with us. Ken is the, or I can make sure I'm going to say this right. You're the manager of the adult ongoing curriculum. Did I say that yes, right? You did. Yes, that is exactly right. And we're all in trouble if I have to be in the mix for us to have fun. I'm not <laughs> normally the life of the party guy. <laughs> oh, I would so disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But we are glad, Ken, that you're joining us for this. So uh, we, like you said, Lynn, we are uh, looking together today at session seven, uh, the final church of the seven churches, the seventh church. Randy Fields, we did a couple of podcasts with him. Uh, we did session one and session four with Randy. And uh, you guys don't get the benefit of this, uh, those of you who are listening to our podcast, but we, we do a Zoom link. And uh, Randy has a very colorful background uh, for, for his podcast when he's talking with us on video. It is a full-on almost idolatrous display for Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's right. I, like him all, I like him already. His office had Dr. Pepper uh, paraphernalia all over it. Everywhere. So uh, he starts this session by asking, by, by telling of an, an experience where he had, where he uh, was at a restaurant and he said, he'd like a Dr. Pepper. And the, the waitress said, well, we, we don't have Dr. Pepper. We have Mr. Pibb. It's the same thing. <laughs> to which he immediately responded. So before we started, mm-hmm. I ask you guys, Coke or Pepsi? Gosh, I gotta, I've got to go with Coke. Uh, anytime there's a restaurant, you know, that you go to and it's, you got a choice of that. It's always Coke. And I'm kind of disappointed when it's Pepsi. So yeah, I'm a Coke guy. Coke guy. Um, uh, Mountain Dew, Mellow Yellow. Ken? I, have, I, I can honestly say I have never had a Mellow Yellow. I've well, seen it. That speaks so for I, I gotta go. I got to go Mountain Dew. Yeah. Lynn, how about you on both of those? Well, technically, it's Diet Coke for me. But <laughs> I, I can always have an out if I go to a restaurant and they only serve Pepsi. I don't like Pepsi, but if they put lemon in it, I'm happy. A, okay. a, How about a that? Lemon infused Pepsi is good for me, and I like Mountain Dew, but I need some caffeine. If I need a kick, right. uh, something to get me going, it's Mountain Dew. What about you, and, Chris? No, and of course, Dr. Pepper. Well, Coke, Coke, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper. It's, uh, there's sure. every all of the other things are cheap imitation of the real thing. Um, so d- today we're going to look at the church at Laodicea. And uh, I don't know what the connection is with that, but uh, <laughs> there must be one. <laughs> well, we'll bring that out as we get into the first section where there's something you put in your mouth and you just want to spew it out. Spit it out. That's there it Randy is. feels about Mr. Pibb. That's what it was. Okay. Thank you. So our seventh session is on the church at Laodicea. Um, The title is Sufficient in Christ Alone. So we want to talk a little bit about uh, some things we've talked about through these seven sessions. First, uh, uh, Jesus' pattern, uh, as John writes to the churches, is to usually say something complimentary to a church. And then if there's something not that is askew, he'll say, but I have this against you. And uh, he will... uh, 
speak some words about a negative trait or something in, in the life of the church. Um, today, we'll look at that to see how that plays out in this church. And then we've also looked at some of the um, some details, background um, about the cities the seven cities that are represented with these seven churches. Now, Lynn, before, before we talk about that, I do want to say to those of you who have listened to the six previous sessions that Lynn and I coming into this study knew as much about these churches as you do. <laughs> and we have, we have leaned on and been dependent on Bible studies and research that's been available to us. We have sounded like subject matter experts, uh, but it's just because we studied really hard to be prepared to sound like we knew what we were talking about. Now, Lynn, tell yeah. us some things that you know about. <laughs> well, what, what we're going to jump into as we look into the church of Laodicea, as we've looked at a lot of these churches, we don't, we know a little bit about them. Uh, there's a lot we know about Laodicea, but we're going to get into that as we get into the passage, because the things we know about the city, uh, Jesus really addresses uh, kind of as he, as he points out their shortcomings. So let's just kind of jump into this. And I want to begin, we're in Revelation 3. Let's just look at the first four verses, 14 through 17, where uh, John was told to write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither, co neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. For you say, I'm rich, I have been, I'm wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Yeah, Chris, that's a big wow. Yeah. So uh, again, back to the pattern. Obviously, he jumps right at the negative aspect, doesn't have anything complimentary to say. Uh, immediately says, um, I have this against you. Um, and uh, you make me sick. I want to vomit you <laughs> out of my mouth. Uh, so uh, Lynn, help us make the connection with uh, from a, what we know about the city uh, to the significance of this hot and cold and lukewarm terminology. Well, what was, what was sad about the position of Laodicea that to the East of it, there was cold, pure water. And we're talking about the city of Colossae. They had some really nice cold water, but you go the other direction. And there was warm waters as kind of those therapeutic waters, mineral springs, right? Hot. And here's Laodicea in the middle and they can't really, they don't have either one of those. So if they piped water in from uh, from uh, uh, the other side, this warm spring water come in, it wouldn't be warm spring water. It would just be this lukewarm kind of blah water. They did not have any good, healthy water. Uh, they tried to build water systems and they were useless. And so Jesus saying, look, you're kind of like this water in your own city. You're not cold, you're not hot. You're just, you're awful. Now for me, it, to me, it's like the water in West Texas. You would pour water in a glass, and you could not see through a, the glass. The water was just that, na that nasty. And that's what I picture when I think of Laodicea. Is that <laughs> just, there's, there's things growing in this water kind of look. Uh, and so th that's what he compared them to. You're just like the water. No one wants to drink you. No one wants to have anything to do with you. Would, would take a drink and puke you out. <laughs> 
I can see where this is going to play really good in all the student Bible study groups around the country, right? When they get to the word vomit and the teenage boys just go to town with this and have fun yeah. with it. But, you know, the other thing too, guys, that, uh, that is really interesting here is uh, where he says in verse 17, uh, he said he was quoting them saying, you know, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And we also know that, uh, that Laodicea was a, a center for banking and it was so wealthy that when an earthquake, an earthquake uh, leveled the city in AD 17, uh, they refused help from the Roman government. They said, nope, we got this. We got plenty of money. We'll rebuild it ourselves. And so you see their, uh, their terrible self-sufficiency uh, that Jesus is addressing. Uh, and he's meaning it you know, in spiritual terms, you know, that they're, they're acting like they are self-sufficient spiritually. And he says, you just don't realize how poor you really are spiritually. And I think that's a, man, what, a, what an amazing way that he has tied the region and, and their history, you know, into uh, the words that he is speaking to them. You know, Aris, yeah. Can you think about in terms of our own American culture where you know, we make, we make self-sufficiency uh, a value. I mean, wait, that's a, well, that's a great asset. That guy, he just, he can stand on his own. And, and we make that a virtue that we want to see our, our, our kids live up to, you know? Right. He, he, yet, while there is some value in that in certain areas of life, we can't bring that into the Christian life. We need to recognize our need for Christ in every area of our life and realize that's what their sin was. It wasn't, it was just the fact they were not depending upon Jesus. Yeah. And I agree with you. We've got a very self-sufficient culture, you know, stand on your own two feet, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, kind of a, a culture. But if you think back, you know, even uh, people like Aristotle and Epicurus, they were in their day and time were saying things like that. Arist Aristotle said, happiness belongs to the self-sufficient. And Epicurus uh, said, self-sufficiency is the greatest of all wealth. And uh, so this has been around for a long time. It is a philosophy of life that has you know, plagued us. And uh, mankind has not really learned how to move past this. And so, you know, thankfully, Jesus is correcting, you know, their faulty, uh, their faulty thinking. But uh, it is definitely part of our culture. And, uh, you know, even Jesus, let's think about his day. Uh, did he not uh, say that it is very difficult, if not impossible, for a rich person, you know, to enter the kingdom of heaven? Why? Because they are so self-sufficient. They don't feel like they need it. They don't need salvation. They're, they've, they're a self-made person. And so it's just it's something that's plagued us for forever. So our conversation has been around individuals and communities. Um, so the point of Revelation 2 and 3 is Jesus speaks to churches. So from a church perspective, what does a lukewarm church look like? What, what are the characteristics of a lukewarm, self-sufficient, not God dependent church today. Mm -mm. Now we're going to step on toes, Chris, <laughs> you know, but honestly, if you think, of, I think of a couple of things, uh, one would be a, a church could be lukewarm if it has stockpiled a lot of money in the bank. I know I've, I've, I know of some, you know, that have got huge amounts of reserves. I mean, much more than they probably need to get them through a crisis. And that almost makes them feel bulletproof. You know, we can survive anything. Uh, any downturn, people can leave the church and quit giving and we can survive this. And, you know, that could lead to, uh, you know, that kind of self-sufficiency. I see it too, that it's a, 
temptation that would that church leaders or that you're talking about the pastors or as a Sunday school teacher, I mean, the first time I go in and I teach a class, you know, I'm really just praying, God, I want to connect with this group. Help me to communicate clearly, help the focus to be on your word, yada, yada, yada. But if I'm not careful week after week of being with that group, I get comfortable. Uh, I know them, they know me. And I just going to kind of go in and wing it on my own because I, I've got this feeling. Okay. I've got this, I've studied, I've got this. And now I'm just depending upon myself instead of depending on Christ. Mm-hmm. And we do that. We, we get a program going. Maybe there was a lot of prayer, a lot of desire put into the launching of a program. Yet we get used to it. It, it becomes something we can do, uh, but just on, on automatic pilot, we can put this program together every year. And in that we quit depending on Christ. Mm-hmm. And that just becomes about the program. And I, I'm, I'm starting to sound like a, the church of Ephesus where Jesus said, uh, you have lost your first love. And so there's that, some, yeah, there's some parallels. There's some, uh, some things in common with both of those churches. Yeah. You know, Chris, something for the group leaders to think about this week might be uh, Proverbs 2131. Uh, it is a proverb uh, that is highly, I think, applicable and practical here because it says uh, that the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. And that proverb uh, warns us against, you know, trying to feel self-sufficient that, you know, that we're going to ride into battle, you know, with our horses prepared, and our, sh- our swords sharpened, and, you know, we've been trained and we're ready for combat. And that's necessary. I mean, you need to prepare, you know, for things like that. But the back part of that proverb says, but victory belongs to the Lord. And so we don't need to, you know, fall into that trap of thinking, hey, it's all about us and what we can do. Uh, that proverb reminds us it's really what God does uh, in us and through us and for us. So whatever we do, then we prepare well, but we still must turn back and just depend on Christ to work through us. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's what uh, Jesus is calling the church in Laodicea back to. I want to pick up with that last verse that we just read where uh, Ken alluded to it, all these things that they were uh, labeled. I am rich. Uh, you, you say I'm rich. I become wealthy and need nothing. But you don't realize that you are here where Jesus kind of starts slams them. You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So now you go to the next verse, verse 18, and this is where he says then, in light of what you, you really are, this is what I advise. I advise you to buy for me the gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. White clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed. And ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. But as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And he, he's just kind of called him on the carpet, but then he turns right around and says, come back to me, let your sufficiency be found in me, and you will no longer be poor. You'll no longer be blind. You'll no longer be naked. I think there's a great word for uh, our group members to hear right there, because I think as we go through this study, you're going to see people uh, in our groups who uh, the Holy Spirit starts to eliminate these truths, and they may realize sitting right there in a group that, oh, I am this self-sufficient person. You know, I am the person that, you know, has operated outside of my relationship with Christ. And I am operating in this zone that uh, Jesus is talking about it, the one that he's condemning here. And what a what an encouraging message that we need to make sure the people hear that no matter where they are in that relationship, if they have strayed far and they're very self-sufficient, at least 
we can point them to the fact that Jesus welcomes them back and gives them a way to come back to him. I think that's so encouraging. We don't need to let that one go yeah. as, we're t- as we're teaching this. And Ken, what they're running with here is in their minds, these things that they're known for. You mentioned their their banking, uh, financial center that they were. Yet he says, come to me and, buy, and get the gold from me. You mm-hmm. think you're wealthy. Let me give you something and you're going to truly be wealthy. You know, he talked about the, uh, they were known for their black wool that was produced mm-hmm. in that area. Right, says, very soft. You're naked. You know, you, you don't have anything, but you, you're proud of what you have. And he never condemns that. And then he said the black wool is wrong. He says, if you'll come to me and trust me, I'm going to give you something greater. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the, you're blind. Uh, they were known for this ointment they had. Uh, let me pull the name of this up. The, the Phrygian powder mm-hmm. uh, that they had. It was a great eye ointment. And so they were proud of that. It was good. But Jesus said, come to me and you'll truly be able to see. So God always has something better. And Ken, I like how you reminded us. And it's a call. Come to me. Come back to me. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see that again, I think, as uh, this lesson uh, moves into that third you know, that third movement that we're going to see here in just a second. So Jesus says um, something that we need to hear. Those who I love, um, I rebuke i discipline them we don't tend to think of rebukes and discipline as things that are necessarily a loving thing that is done for us and yet jesus says this is because i love you i'm I'm addressing these issues i'm rebuking you if you'll repent things can be different from you but um uh, we need to think as parents that sometimes the hard part of parenting and when we have our, our children at home was that we had to correct them. We had to discipline them um, and uh, not always easy to do, uh, but a necessary part of parenting. That's right. Well, let's come back to the end of this, uh, to, back to the passage and let's see how he wraps this up. Because again, there's this call to be, to be earnest and repent. He says in verse 20, see, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So to the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the spirit says to the churches. So these are familiar words from uh Revelation 320, uh, that is often used in evangelism. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear and answer, open the door. I will come in and I'll be with him and he with me. It is a very strong image uh, to use for an evangelistic church. Not exactly the intent, I don't think, that Jesus had here. You you guys want to speak to that? Well, sure. He's talking to the church. Uh, he's talking to a group of believers that, yeah, they are depending on themselves and not on Christ, but there isn't a relationship there. They're the church. And yet he's saying, look, I'm at the door and knocking. I want to come in. I want to let's let's restore that fellowship with one another. Yeah. And in this culture, Chris, I know that you, you know this, uh, but you just did not invite anybody in, you know, to your home for a meal. You invited your close friends. And so, like Lynn said, this is an invitation for for two friends to restore a, a very close friendship. It's a beautiful picture, you know, that Christ has not thrown them out into the alley and into the cold, into the dark, but he is saying, Hey, I, I want to restore 
the relationship that we had. We just got off track. You got off track. And so come, let me, you know, let me back into your life. So it's a great picture of hope and restoration. There were several weeks ago when uh, actually when we started this study, we looked at the Church of Ephesus. And Chris, you may remember, uh, in fact, I think you were the one even pointed this out, how we, we really kind of connect with the Church of Ephesus because of that call, you have lost your first love. And that idea, that is something we all struggle with in our Christian walk. At the same time, Laodicea is another church that so many of us can identify with because even in our best intentions, we follow Christ. Oftentimes, we get our eyes off of Him just on ourselves. We become self-sufficient. And so we really connect with both of these churches. We do. One of the questions that was asked uh, in, I think, in the senior adult resource was, when have you experienced an intimate fellowship with Christ? Uh, so uh, it, hopefully this will give people an opportunity to talk about uh, their spiritual pilgrimage, their spiritual faith journey of walking with Christ and having intimacy with him as a way to connect to why that's important for us to have um, a close intimate relationship when he invites us to return to um, having that that intimacy, that fellowship with him. And uh, we always, most of our uh, sessions close with how is our church like the church at Laodicea? So uh, I think that that will give some opportunities for some conversations in our groups. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I also think, too, you know, as we as we uh, teach this session, I spoke with a gentleman at our church uh, just the other night who is from a very different faith background, and he's interested, and I invited him to come to my Sunday school group uh, in the next week. And, uh, and if he is in this uh, study, you know, I'm just wondering, is he going to resonate and, and really identify with this idea of relationship? Because it may be that his faith background has taught him something a little different, that maybe church is something that you attend, you check that box, it's what good people do. And so, again, we've got a, we've got a really nice opportunity here to help people hone in on this idea that, uh, that church, attending church is not the end all, you know, and it's not the end of, you know, what am I trying to say here, guys? It's not the end of, uh, of all things. It's, it's, it's to lead us to the point that we get introduced to a person right. and then have that relationship. And, and that may be a, a new concept. Now, for us, you know, we've been around the church for a long time. We, we've heard this you know, since we were you know, knee-high to a grasshopper. But there may be people in our groups that this is kind of a new thing that, wait a minute, you know, I, can, I can actually have an intimate relationship with a person that's invisible. I don't see them, but you're telling me I can have this. And so, it's, again, it's going to be a great opportunity for our group leaders to point people to Christ, uh, share the gospel even, and to explain more about uh, what it means to have that personal relationship. Appreciate you saying that, Ken. Good words, good reminders for us. We want to pause right now and say thank you to those of you who have been listening to our podcast. Uh, thank you for, for being with us on this journey to talk about uh, what we can learn from the seven churches found in Revelation 2 and 3 uh, so that we can be the church that God desires. So this is the end of this study. We're going to uh, launch into another study uh, on the prophet Elijah uh, coming up next week. Lynn, you're going to tell us now about some ways that we can promote that study. And then, Ken, you'll come back and give us a teaching tip. 
Right. So uh, everybody, listen, whether you're a teacher, you're just a group member, I want you to hear this. As we are going to start a study next Sunday, the next, the next week on Elijah, it's called Elijah Living Outside the Comfort Zone. But we provide for you a, a promo video. It's, it's all of 60 seconds long. It's a teaser to get people thinking about, I want to be a part of this study. This uh, video is free. It's available for you to use and distribute however you want to. The simplest thing to do, if you'll just go to uh, Bible Studies for Life, or you go to, uh, or you go to uh, BibleStudiesForLife.com slash Adult Extra, uh, which is, in fact, the way many of you access this podcast that way. But you'll see us up, up uh, a little uh, little banner on the side that says videos, promo videos. And you can find the video there for the Elijah study. Take that video, send it to the, your group in a, in a uh, you can send it in a message. Uh, you can put it in an email. You got a Facebook page or church website. You can put it up there and, and show it that way and provide it to your folks and say, hey, come join me for this study. We're going to be starting for the next six weeks. Uh, so again, it's free. Just uh, have at it and use it and spread the word. Lynn, do you know what I like about that video that your team produces is the not just the fact that it's free. I like that. That's that's great because we use it at our church. But uh, there's there's no Lifeway name on it. If I were to show that in my worship service and encourage people to uh, come to the next series of studies, uh, it looks like our church produced it. And so I love that, that Lifeway has equipped us with something that is a really nice invitation tool uh, to create that movement, get folks out of those pews and into our smaller groups. And so love that. Thanks for doing that. That's good. And so, Ken, since you and I actually go to church together, just remind me that, that we need to show that video. Okay? <laughs> that I will. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ken, why don't you take a moment, just share one of your very practical teaching tips with us. Okay, I'll do that. So this will be uh, pretty, uh, pretty fast and quick. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're an extremely visual culture. Uh, you just can't get away from it. You know, there are images everywhere, you know, from movies to television to billboards to I mean, just you name it, uh, you just can't get away from it. And, uh, and a lot of our a lot of our group members are visual learners. Uh, and so as group leaders, we need to we need to make sure that we are incorporating visual elements into our Bible studies. Now, there is a leader pack that we have that goes with Bible Studies for Life, and there are some wonderful charts and maps and reconstructions and quotes and things that, you know, we can put up on our, our walls and our classrooms, and I, and I will frequently, you know, use those and uh, call people's attention to it. But uh, what I've started doing, Lynn, Chris, you know, whenever I'm floating around the internet, uh, and I am looking on websites and I just I stumble into an image, a picture that I think, you know what, that's a great image. I'm going to save it. So I've started clipping these things and uh, making sure that I'm not violating any kind of copyright. But I've, I've started a teaching images folder and, and I've got one that I want to tell you about just I mean, real fast. There was a, a, a rancher up in Reno, Nevada, who found uh, as he was patrolling his property one day, he found two bull elk locked together. I mean, their horns were just as entangled. It was like spaghetti, and and they ran off together. They they ran off sideways together, cooperated, and they ran off because he scared them. He thought they'd probably just separate and you know be fine. Well, about two weeks later, 
he stumbles into these bull elks again. Now they're much thinner. They've not been eating, you know, they're, they're in the, you know, they're just not doing well. So he called the game warden game court warden came out and uh, they took, so they tranquilized one of them so that, you know, they'd both dropped to the ground and they had to use some saws, hand saws to hack off and saw off, you know, the, some of the horns to <laughs> untangle them. Well, I saved that picture. And when we had a Bible study with the, the very famous passage, you know, that sin so easily entangles us. I showed that picture, passed that around on my iPad as a visual of what sin does. It so easily ensnares and entangles and locks us down, just like those two bull elk were locked together. So there are all kinds of, of images like that that you'll come across in the course of a day's you know, surfing around that uh, you can create a very nice uh, way to really enhance your lesson visually. There's no extra cost for that. It's really easy. And people really do, I think, enjoy uh, seeing how those images connect to the Bible studies topic that's at hand. So that'd be my encouragement. Just pay attention to those images. They're everywhere. And uh, they might really uh, kind of add some, add some juice to your Bible study. That is a great image. I, I'm going to have to find that. That's amazing. I'll send it to you. It's pretty incredible. Okay. That's great. Well, Ken, thanks for being with us. Lynn, thanks for leading us in our conversation um, about these churches in, in Revelation, <clears throat> the church that God desires. We want to thank you who are listening to our podcast. We, we do this for you. We have a good time doing it. We set aside a time and uh, we enjoy being together and talking, but uh, it, beneficial to us to know that we're helping someone else that we're of benefit to you so thanks for listening to the podcast hope it's helpful to you as you either prepare uh for uh your small group or as you um uh, listened after you've listened after you've been a part of a small group conversation uh we just hope that this is beneficial to you and thank you for being a part of it hope that you'll be with us as we start this new study next week